Thank you for your presence here today. I ask that you would bless this word. I ask that you would give me your words to speak. I pray that we would have ears to hear, the heart to receive, and the will to obey your word on this day. And I ask that it would go forth with your power and your ruach. In Yeshua's name, amen. I started off the first service by updating you on what happens when the rabbis aren't here. So just so you know, the printer did not work for me again. And every time I came up to print, not only did it not work, but the computer turned off every single time. So at the end of um, the day, my goal is to go buy a printer at home <laughs> so that we can do that. But I find it funny, sort of, that every time <laughs> the rabbis aren't here, everything <laughs> shuts down and doesn't work for me. But I have my message. My mom helped me print it out at home, and it is in order, unlike the first service. So get ready. I think God has a word to bless you with today. Amen? We are part uh, of our History Maker series, and I'm doing part three, and I entitled it Stand. Rabbi Carol spoke on part one of the series, and she spoke on the six general characteristics of history makers. She said that history makers are ordinary people. They start where they're at. They say yes to Adonai. They never look back. History makers live for others, and they don't accept the status quo. Last week, Rabbi Michael spoke specifically on the life of Abraham and the three characteristics that he displayed as a history maker, that he was a man of faith, a worshiper, and a tither. And I'm going to share with you, I've been personally challenged by this series with a desire to really be used by God and to be a history maker. And it reminded me when I first started coming to Beth Emanuel, which was almost 18 years ago. And I sat here, I still remember the seat that I was in. I think it was over there where Jahir and Jonathan are. I was sitting right there at the end. And I remember rededicating my heart to Yeshua, raising my hand when Rabbi Michael led in a prayer. And I remember that season of my life wanting nothing more than to be used by him and to change the world and to be a history maker. So much so that my email address, I still have it. I don't use it as often, but I still have it. My Yahoo email address is a historymaker at yahoo.com. My favorite song was the song that Rabbi Michael has been playing at the end of every message, which is History Maker. And I remember all my eagerness, and I remember the conversation that I had in a small season of my life where I said, I don't think I want to get married, God. Because I'm supposed to travel overseas and be a missionary and do big things for you. And if I get married and have children, I won't be able to do that. And if you know, most of you here, but those of you listening online, I'm now almost 39 years old. I am married. I have two kids. I have not traveled overseas to be a missionary for the kingdom of God. And there's nothing radically big that I have done like I once dreamed in order to be a history maker. But here's the truth. I have helped to change history. And my goal is to keep doing my part to change history. I told Adeline I was gonna use her as an example, but every time I look at Adeline and her two beautiful children, Jordan being downstairs and Junior Shabbat, I realize how God used me to change history. 
You see, because I invited Adeline to one service. It was a Rosh Hashanah service. Adeline was a Gentile unbeliever who came to a Rosh Hashanah service and gave her heart to Yeshua after one service. And she has been here ever since. And if you know Adeline, you know that her story and her life has not been a straight line. But I trust that he is not done with her story yet. There is more history to be made through her life and the life of her children that it's going to be better than any of us can even imagine. And that means that I have helped to change history because Adeline's name and her children's name are written in the book of life. And through Adeline's life, history is going to be made because she has impacted people's life. And I say that because it doesn't matter how big or small, we're called to be history makers. So as we continue to review these biblical examples of history makers, what, what really is history? Let's define that. History is the study of past events, particularly in human affairs. And it is the whole series of past events connected with someone or something. So listen, if history is defined as the whole series of past events connected with someone or something, then we make history and we help to change history by affecting even one small part of that series. So an action that you take today that changes the life of someone for the kingdom of God today impacts history and the kingdom of God, whether it's big or whether it's small. A small action equals big changes. It's the ripple effect, right? Defined as the continuing and spreading results of an event or an action. And I, I think of it as dominoes. One domino only hits the domino directly right next to it. But the chain reaction keeps going. So the action of the first domino impacts the last domino in the chain without ever even touching it or maybe ever even knowing. We're called to be history makers, and I would argue that most of us in this room already are. But I believe that God wants to show you the potential that you have to continue to be a history maker, to live your lives in such a manner where people are changed, but history is changed through that small action that you took that changes the course of history over time, that ripples through generation to generation. Rabbi Carroll said in week one, it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, what season of life that you're in, what gift you possess, what career you have, what strength you think you have, or how weak you think you are. You're called to be a history maker. And the truth is, our world needs it today. We truly are in desperate times. And our world is in desperate need of change. And sometimes it, it seems overwhelming. Can, can you and I really do anything that's going to change the course of our nation, our society? And I get into conversations with people often, and a lot of times the question is how. How are really... How are we really going to make any type of impact that's going to change where we are as a society, where our, hate, where our nation is heading right now? 
So through this message today, I want to try and answer that by reviewing the book of Daniel, the life of Daniel, along with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But for today's message, I'm using their Hebrew names, not the names that another king gave to them. So let's review the book of Daniel. In chapter 1, Judah was overtaken by King Nebuchadnezzar. The king of Judah was taken captive, and several young men were taken for the king's service into Nebuchadnezzar's palace in Babylon, and among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And I'm going to discuss four things that these young men did that helped change the course of history. So much so that we're here today in 2021 speaking of them and the actions that they made and how they changed history. Think on that. The first thing that they did was they chose to stand out. Remember, there were several young men that were taken for the king's servants. There were only four among them that stood out. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So he says, listen, test us. Don't give us anything except for vegetables and water. And then compare us with everyone else. And at the end of the, the 10 days, what happened was they looked healthier and better nourished than anyone else around them. You see, as, as young Hebrew men, they did not end, eat any of the food that was presented to them so that they could ensure that they kept to the way Adonai commanded them to eat. They didn't cave in to the fear and the intimidation of being separate and standing apart. They didn't cave in to the temptation of the choice food or the wine. We know from the time of Adam and Eve how the enemy uses food to derail you from your plans and purposes of Adonai. So as they're munching on veggies, they didn't give in to the temptation of the choice food. They chose not to partake. They chose not to be defiled. They chose to be different, set apart, eat differently. And at the end of that time, verse 18, set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And as the king talked with them, he found that there was none equal to them. But you see, their diet was just the beginning of what made them different. It started out that people noticed that they were eating differently, but it didn't stop there. What made them different was not just their lifestyle, but the presence and the power of God in their life. And you see this taking place in the following chapters. You see, Nebuchadnezzar started having these dreams that were disturbing him, and he couldn't sleep, and he was troubled. So he went to his magicians and his enchanters and the sorcerers and the astrologers, and he's, he tells them, you tell me what I dreamed, dreamt. Tell me what my dream was. And they respond, there is no one on earth who could do what the king asks. It's too difficult. So the king got angry. Furious, and he ordered the execution of all the wise men. 
which included Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So the commander of the king's guard, he set out to follow the decree, and he went and he found Daniel, and Daniel goes, what's going on? What do you mean you're here to execute? And the scripture says, verse 14, Daniel handles the situation with wisdom and with discretion. So he basically asks, what's going on? Why was this decree issued? He asks to go before the king, and he says, king, you give me time to tell you what your dream means. And what does he do? Verse 17, I'm in chapter 2. Again, it's just a paraphrase. You don't need to follow along. It says, Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, what had happened. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secrecy of the dream so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. And that night, the secret was revealed. And Daniel was able to go before the king and tell the king exactly what he dreamt and the meaning of it. And this is the king's response down to verse 47. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. I want you to think of what happened. Four young Hebrew men changed the course of history because they prayed one night. They stood out and they were set apart because they had the power and the presence of God in their life. So what started out as them just eating differently and people noticing you're just going to eat vegetables and you're just going to eat water, all of a sudden became there's something else different about you. It's more than what you're eating and what you're not eating. And that difference was the power and the presence of Adonai in their life. We're called to stand out and to be set apart. We're called to eat differently. We're called to live differently, to speak differently, to act differently. Our life and our lifestyle should look different from everyone else around us. God has deliberately set us apart in every area of life to be holy like he is holy, to be in this world but not of the world. And why? So that we can point people to the living God. So that we can show them we don't just eat differently because we're eating differently. We eat differently because we serve a living God and we follow his commands and we have the presence of Adonai in our life and with that presence we have the power of Adonai in our life. I'll give you an example. I don't know if all of you know this, but Chris is, was here in the first service. Me and her work at the same place, different shifts. I'm the day shift, she's the evening shift. And it's a running joke at work. Whenever I'm there, everybody always asks, is Chris coming in today? And when I say yes, you have to see their face. Oh, we love Chris, Chris is great. And Chris is great because Chris stands apart at work. 
Chris shows up on time, early, to be truthful. She never leaves early, she'll leave on time. She does her job and she does it well. She goes over and out of her way to do more than what she even is required to do. She doesn't gossip when everybody else around us is gossiping. She's not cursing like the rest of the world is cursing. She stands out as very different. And people take notice. And there was one day that I went into work and one of my coworkers said, are you friends with Chris outside of work? Somebody said you were. And I giggled. I said, yeah, I've been friends with Chris for 20 years. She said, could you give her a message for me? I said, sure, no problem. She said, last night we had a really hard time with one of the patients. And they wanted to leave and she was very flustered and very agitated and very upset. And all of a sudden, Chris just offered to pray for her. And she prayed for her. Could you tell Chris, because she had to leave, it was, it was towards the end of her shift. Could you tell Chris that that patient was so happy and so touched by that prayer, she just kept saying, that sweet lady who prayed for me. But could you also tell Chris, it's very specific, I'm not making this up, could you tell her the rest of the evening went well and that patient didn't threaten to leave anymore? And I said, I would be happy to tell Chris that. Through one action, one prayer, her life where she just stood apart as being a little different, not gossiping, not cursing, all of a sudden they realize why she's different. Because she has the presence and the power of Adonai in her life. And they took notice because she didn't just pray, but she prayed and things changed. And that's the very beginning of the domino effect that that person, two people immediately saw what happens when you pray to the living God. He hears and he answers. We're called to be set apart. And the truth is, a lot of times we blend in instead. You see, I had to use Chris as an example because too many times at work I'm blending in. You can ask my mother-in-law, I come home, she watches my children, and I'm talking about who I got into a fight with and why I slammed the door and who I had to apologize because I'm grumbling and complaining. And it's okay that you giggle, but the truth is that's not how I'm called to live. It's not. I should be a living example of what it means to walk with God, to be able to see people's frustration and treat them in love and patience, not walking away slamming a door. Because through me, they have the opportunity to see and know the living God. But that won't happen if I keep blending in and acting the way everybody else acts at work. It happens when I choose to be set apart when I choose to stand out and live differently and act differently and speak differently and then show them the power and the presence of God in my life. People will take notice and they will see. We're called to stand out. The second characteristic of a history maker that we see through the lives of these Hebrew men was that they Stand against opposition. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they were all faced with an ultimatum. And that ultimatum was compromise on your faith or else. 
Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this image of gold. And what does he say? Whenever you hear the music, you are to bow down and to worship this idol or else. If you don't, it's the fiery furnace. And this same threat happened to Daniel, except he was under the rule of King Darius at the time. It happens consecutively in the chapters very quickly, but this is years later. Some say that Daniel was probably around 70 years old when he was in the lion's den. It goes to show it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, married, single, what career, God can use you at any stage of your life. So here he is now, an older man, even though throughout this series I say young Hebrew men, here he is older in his life, and it's the same thing. The king issues this edict and, and he says, anyone who prays to any god or any human being during the next 30 days except to the king is going to be thrown in the lion's den. But what was their response? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, this is what they say. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I will not compromise. And look at what Daniel does. When Daniel learned, this is verse 10, chapter 6, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, so he's well aware of this decree, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he always has done before. No compromise. For Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were instructed to worship something else and someone else other than the living God. For Daniel, he was instructed to stop worshiping Adonai. But they stood against the opposition, and they didn't compromise. This is so important. You know, I think of what I would have done. And it's so easy to say, listen, when the music goes on, and everybody else is bowing down to worship, I'll bow down, but I'll worship God in my heart. Because I can stay true to God. I don't need to recognize that this gold image is God. But I don't need to show that I'm praying in my heart because I don't want to face a fiery furnace. So I'll bow, but I know that in my heart I'm bowing to God, and I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to worship God in that time. And if I were Daniel, I would have said, you know what? I'm going to keep praying to God. You can't stop me. But I certainly don't need to do it in front of the windows for all to see. But they didn't do that. They didn't compromise, and they made an outward, bold declaration for all to see that they refused to compromise. For all to see regardless of the opposition and regardless of the threat. And what was the result? They were not spared. 
For the three, they were in the fiery furnace. And for Daniel, he was in the lion's den. They were not spared, but they were saved. They didn't get to avoid the fire. They didn't get to avoid the lion. Faced it head on. They weren't spared from it, but they were saved from it. King Nebuchadnezzar says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? But look, I see four. They're unbound. They're walking around unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And what happens? They come out. They're not harmed. They're not burned. They don't even smell like fire. And the king praises the God of Israel, and he decrees that no people of any nation or any language to say anything against the living God. Same thing with Daniel. The king cries out, Daniel, did your God save you? And Daniel says, my God sent his angel who shut the mouth of the lions. And King Darius issues a decree that in every part of his kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. They stood against the opposition, regardless of the consequence. The threat on our faith to compromise or face consequences is something that is very real. It's the same threat that we are facing today that is throughout the Tanakh. It's the same threat that Yeshua faced when he was in the wilderness to worship something, someone else, another ideology other than the word of God or else. The threat that you need to stop worshiping God so publicly and so boldly and adhering to his standard and his word and his way of holiness or else. It's the same spirit that we're up against today. And we see it in different ways of society because there's kickback if we don't conform and bow down to the ideology of our current society. There's kickback when you stand up in your faith boldly. And again, you see it in different areas, maybe with your own family members, when those conversations come up. Maybe with your coworkers, supervisors. For some of our young people, they feel it at school. My son Jeremiah is only nine years old, and already one of the kids said, it's not cool, you're not cool if you go to temple. And that just continues on. That standard of, it's not, it's not okay, it's not cool, it's not accepted for you to be different. Our society has become more hostile to the truth of God and the ways of God and the standard of God in all areas of life. Gender, sexuality, sanctity of life, marriage, and the list goes on. You see, what used to be just people rejecting God feels like now today it's more of a society and a nation turning against God, even with the laws of the land turning against the ways of God. 
And in little ways, we already see it and feel it. Compromise even just a little bit or else. Hide your faith or else. We must be willing to stand against the opposition, to stand against the cancel culture that we live in today. And we must be willing to, to pay the price, to resolve that we will never bow down to anyone, anything, any ideology other than the word of God. No matter what. Does that mean we're gonna face the fire and the lions? Not literally, but yes. Yes. But imagine the outcome when the people of God refuse to compromise boldly and outwardly for all to see. If you look at Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, when they refused to compromise, the result was the leader of the land directed the people of the land to the God of the universe. I'm going to say that again. When they refused to compromise boldly and outwardly for all to see, the outcome was they faced the opposition. And when God saved them from the opposition, the leader of the land, Nebuchadnezzar and then King Darius, directed the people of the land to the God of the universe as a result. How much more so for you and I? When we resolve today to say, I'm not only going to be this great, bold preacher when the rabbis aren't here, and yay, great job, Rena, but when I go to work, I'm going to be that same person. And I'm going to have the courage to live differently, to stand apart, and to stand against the opposition. You see, when that coworker told me Chris's story, do you know what my response was? Oh, that's Chris. She's not afraid to pray for people in public. I'm a little different. In fact, in sharing this story today, I hesitated. Am I allowed to share that? Am I going to get Chris in trouble? We're live streaming. Is she even allowed to pray for people? What would the consequences be? Maybe I shouldn't use her name. Chris, on the other hand, wherever you are, wherever she is, you need prayer, she's praying for you. She doesn't think twice. If we are willing to stand against the opposition boldly and outwardly, not in the comfort of these four walls where all of you are nodding your head at me and it feels great, when we face the opposition, real or implied, what God can do to change a nation, even if it means we face the fire or face the lions, God will use that. But how do we do that? How do you stand against the opposition? How do you stand apart? 
How did Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel do it? My third point, stand firm in the word of God. You see, the word of God may not be popular. It may not be accepted by society. It may be under attack and threatened. I have a feeling we're only seeing the very beginning of that. It may be called evil and intolerant. But I'm here to tell you what the word of God is. It is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is a lamp and a light to your feet and your path. The word of God is breathed out by God himself, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. The word of God will last forever. When everything else fades away and fails, the word of God will stand. The word of God is true. I don't care what they're teaching in the colleges anymore, what they're trying to teach our children, what is all over the commercials. What is true is the word of God. It is your shield. It is living. It is alive. It serves a purpose. The word of God is your hope. It is righteous. It is perfect. It is pure. It is your joy and your delight. The word of God heals. The word of God is the power of salvation. And the word of God is eternal life. And that is where we need to stand firm. In the word of God. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel, they stood firm in God's truth. And that's what made them eat differently. Because they were following what God had commanded them. They stood against the opposition because they stood firm in the word of God that says you are to worship no other God but me. All of their actions were because they stood firm in God's word. They stood firm in God's character. God tells me not to worship that image of gold. So I'm not going to do it. And God's word says that he's going to save me. But even if he doesn't, I know God and his character and he's still good. So I'm still not going to worship. They stood firm on what the word says and on who God is. They stood firm in those truths and they made history because they were firmly planted in the word of God. And we must stand firm in the word of God. No matter what the popular vote says, no matter what society says, no matter what your family says, no matter the opposition, our feet must be firmly planted in the word of God. It is the truth. It is the source of our life. And it is the way of salvation that leads to eternal life because the word of God is Yeshua. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And this leads me to my final point. We must stand with God in relationship with Yeshua. You see, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel, they stood with God. The living presence of Adonai in their life. And God stood with them. Who was that fourth person in the fire? Yeshua himself. And the angel in the lion's den. They were not alone. They were not alone. God's presence living, active in their life. They stood with God, and God stood with them. Rabbi Carroll said in week one that history makers are ordinary people like you and me. Daniel and, and, Hazariah, and uh, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they were no different. They're regular everyday people. We talk about them because of the God that they serve. Not because of what they did, but because they chose to walk with God. And when we choose to walk with God, in the presence of God, with the power of God, then we can stand apart. And then we can stand against. It is through the power and the presence of God in your life. God is looking and asking and seeking for me and you to walk with him. For those of you listening online, I invited so many people to this service who couldn't come or weren't comfortable coming yet. One even said that they thought the walls would cave in. It's a misnomer. People think that because they're sinners, they can't come. Meanwhile, the whole point is for God to save sinners. So if you're listening, that one particular person, but even for me and you in this room, God is asking, will you walk in a relationship with Yeshua the Messiah so that he can empower you with his presence to make a difference in a lost and dying world and to change history one small action at a time? That when put together, over the course of time, changes the course of history. We do that by walking with Yeshua. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he promises to walk us through this life with all of its challenges, hardships, struggles, with all of the opposition that you may face to be by our side, to give us the strength that we need, to give us the words to speak, the courage to face the opposition boldly and outwardly for all to see, to declare the truth, and the power to change lives. One prayer, one invitation at a time. And that could start for each of us today. I don't know where we all are in this room, or for those listening live today or on the podcast. Maybe you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, but you're not really walking in a personal relationship with him. 
You got the religion part down, but not the relationship part. Maybe you once did walk with him, and right now you're rebelling against him. Maybe you're walking with him today, but you have some compromises in your life that's leading you to be distant from him. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with some sin issues that's keeping you from walking in the peace of forgiveness that Yeshua offers. Maybe you're here and you're just going through the motions. Another Shabbat service. Check. Or maybe you're here and you're like me, very comfortable on the four walls with people like me and very intimidated and uncomfortable and blending in sometimes outside of these four walls with the pressure of a society around me. Wherever you are, however you're listening, God is asking for you to walk with him. Because when you walk with him, and stand firm in his word. He will empower you to stand out, to face the opposition, and to change history. That is what you and I are called to be and to do, history makers. So I want you to pray with me. Here in the sanctuary, you guys can pray with me. I'm gonna encourage you, it doesn't matter what the words are, it's about just saying yes to Yeshua and walking with him and allowing him to empower you for the rest as you walk hand in hand in a relationship with him. Adonai, today I choose to walk with Yeshua. I believe in my heart that he is the Messiah. And I confess today that I choose to surrender to him I pray for your forgiveness, and I ask to be changed, for you to use me, and to walk with me. Amen. I'm going to encourage you, whatever prayer in your heart that you pray to get closer to Yeshua, whether you prayed that for the first time here in the sanctuary listening online, please reach out to us. You can always send an email to info at bethemanuel.com. Rabbi Carol would love to hear that you prayed a prayer in listening to this message. And like I said at the beginning of service, our purpose here is to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And we're here to help you with that journey. So you reach out, you call us. If you even have questions and say, I can't pray that prayer today because I don't know if Yeshua is the Messiah. I was raised Jewish, and, and if I believe that, you don't understand what, what would happen with my family. And I would say, reach out. Ask your questions. We'll guide you to the truth. As you leave today, I think it's Gary or Christina. They have a basket at the end. I want you to take a small piece of domino. If it's Gary. Gary, just make sure when people come, just hand them one piece so we don't have 40 hands in one basket. And don't pick which domino you want because one is pink and one is blue. But I want to leave that with you to encourage you that it only takes one small action when you choose to stand apart 
stand against, stand firm, and stand with that begins the chain reaction of changing history. Don't undermine what you are capable of doing in your sphere around you because those actions added up change the course of history. And you may never see the last domino of the chain reaction that you started. You just need to make the first step and the first action. And trust and know, many of you in this room already have been history makers, but God's not done with you yet. He's not done with this congregation yet. He is not done with our society yet. He is not done with our nation yet. And he is not done with this world yet. And the way that we see change is when we're willing to make those small actions and to stand in all of those areas and watch and see what God will do when you partner with him as a history maker. If you stand to your feet, I'll bless you. God, I thank you for the word today. I thank you that it's a word in season. And I pray that each of us would take to heart your encouragement today, first and foremost, to be in a relationship with you, Yeshua, that we wouldn't be okay with the status quo, with being stagnant, with being lukewarm, with having compromises or sin in our life, but that we would take seriously our relationship with you to be set on fire so that we walk with you, firmly planted, standing in your word, with the courage and the boldness to stand against the opposition that we face, and being comfortable with standing out so that we could point to you and the reason why we're different, because we serve the living God. I pray today with these little domino reminders, God, that people would make a choice to be used to start a chain reaction to change the course of history. And I pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Stretch out your hands. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. Shabbat shalom and go in his blessings. Amen.